This is Season 3, Episode 10 of Mastering the RPG, a tabletop RPG podcast all about upping your game. Doesn't matter if you're a game master or player, you'll find advice, ideas, and some strong opinions. Our episode tonight is dealing with unrealistic expectations in RPGs or something, something, something critical role. Hey everyone, again, welcome to Mastering the RPG. As I said, a tabletop RPG podcast, all about giving you ideas, cool stuff, things going on, whatever we think of, we'll talk about it. I'm Carl with my co-hosts, Eric and James, and you'll find information about the show at masteringtherpg.com. And you can send us email or feedback or questions to gamemaster at masteringtherpg.com. Uh, that's all one word there. So we haven't gotten email lately, so I'll just put a quick pitch in. Send us some email. We'd love to have some. So anyway, it's good to be back on the mics with you guys. Uh, good to see you. Hey, James. Hey, Eric. How you how you fellas doing there? James, how you doing? Going well, Carl. Going well. Very busy. Uh, we're back from kind of our summer break uh, here in Australia. So games starting up this week in a major way. So I restarted a campaign uh, last week, but I've got four new games starting this week, so it's all very exciting. Uh, session zeros all around, lots of character creation, lots of setting that expectation. So yeah, it's good fun, um, good week. I love new campaigns; they're, they're great. The um, the kind of potential is uh, is there for all of them, so it's going to be good. It'll it's be all, fun. Week. It's all about- new and fresh coat of paint and. Smells like it came out of the showroom, right? <laughs> That's it. Well, very shiny. Get to write backstories and, you know, think think creatively about the journey ahead. Good fun. How about you, Eric? What's your week been like? I've been busy with a lot of IRL stuff <laughs> and dealing with uh, house things. Uh, I need a new roof, so that was fun with a couple oh, of leagues. No. But, um, yeah. Uh, games have been slowly starting back up again, so that's cool. I think it was a long, long break this year for some reason. Um, so yeah, very cool. Very cool. Um, yeah, we've, we, our game started up again. We've done a couple of sessions. Um, it was slow to get the trigger pulled back up again on that. Um, my, my creatures are getting hammered as they always do. The players <laughs> are steamrolling through them. They have great tactics, great plans, good character mass or buildup and that sort of thing. Um, oh, and I'm just about to finally publish the music video for my new Savage Worlds song, Savage Worlds, different setting every day. That will be coming out on the YouTube channel soon. It's ready to go. I just haven't done the premiere button. It's it's gonna it's gonna knock people's socks off if they like videos that have pictures of covers of books that look like they're neon tubes flashing. That's right. Little special effects going on. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, that's what I've been up to. So awesome. I'm glad you guys are doing well. Um, It's good to see you again. So tonight we are going to go right into our main topic. So the main topic tonight, like I mentioned, was unrealistic expectations in RPGs. Sometimes uh, people like to call... This, in some circles, the Mercer effect. Um, 
we won't go into, we, I don't think I'll call it the Mercer effect. It's really just the fact that no. people come in with unrealistic expectations. Um, they may have seen it on, they may have watched Critical Role. They may have seen Stranger Things where they threw the dice across the room. They may have even gone to a convention and saw huge set pieces, right? So what are all the things that kind of go into defining these unrealistic expectations? Eric, Eric, what are some of the things that you find that people come to the table expecting, have, having, well, unrealistic expectations? I keep saying the same word over and over again. But. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the Mercer effect, I think, is important in some ways. I mean, I think it's, it's a pretty broad brush. But, like, while, you know, they're all professional actors, and that goes for the cast as well, right? Um, I think part of it is just because how produced it is and all the assets and all the support staff they have. And so, like, you know, that part of it, specifically the, like, you know, handmade maps and uh, the intricacy of lore and back, like, all that, like, the, that overproducedness, right? Yeah, or going that's just what to, I like, would theater, say versus theater of mind. Like, yeah. it's the overproducedness, I think, mainly. For me, the, the biggest ones that come out to me, um, and I think definitely from a player's perspective, is uh, backstory stuff and I know we've talked about that a lot of you know you should make your backstory you should make hooks for the GM but you should never expect them you know at the very least do not expect them to do all of your hooks <laughs> like and especially if you're one of those people that writes huge backstories right and has a ton of hooks like you just cannot expect a game master every game master especially to to go through your backstory and do every hook that's just it's just not going to happen I think 90% of the time um, you know whether or not to expect one of your things from your backstory that's kind of like you know your game master or and i think a lot of this conversation we'll talk about is like as a game master what you should do you know um to kind of belay these unrealistic expectations but if you know that your game master likes hooks right or you've brought that up like hey do you like backstory hooks like i'll get into my backstory a lot right if that's something you like um then, yeah, th that's a good point to start at because I, I've been in games where I know some game masters, like you and James, like you guys love mining backstories, um, you know? And I have other g games where I've written, you know, not like crazy backstories, but I put like thought into it and it hooks and the game master never does it. So, you know, I just stopped doing that because it's just not worth it for me besides my own personal stuff and my own backstory. So to me, that's a huge one. Um, I want, I mean, there's a lot of others, but I think we should keep, keep it rotating around, right? So uh, I'll sure. pass the ball. Yeah, go ahead, pass. <laughs> James, where where do you start on this on this topic? Yeah, it's a it's a tricky one. Um, it's I find it a little bit hard to answer. I've been playing role playing games since I was ten, so I've been doing this for coming on to forty years. So it's a bit tricky to discuss kind of unrealistic expectations and and what it, and I guess this is more targeted towards people who are new to um, running a game. Um, not necessarily new to playing a game, but um, new to that kind of experience of how how do I live up to what seems to be a very complicated skill set, what seems to be a lot of different things all jumbled together and kind of setting the expectation so high that you'll be able to do everything right all the time, I think is kind of one of the big ones. So when we talk about the Mercer effect, I mean, my Mercer, it's a full-time job. He's got a, a, a strong voice acting background. Um, and as Eric said, there's a staff that help to contribute that. So in, in terms of if you're starting out running a game and you're, and you're really comparing to what you can see, it's setting that expectation about what you can, what is actually realistic to achieve for someone that's new to the hobby, someone that's new to the table, someone who's picking up the kind of um, Games Master mantle for the first time. Um, the obvious one 
um, I guess, which everyone goes to is that kind of acting, that acting, that voice acting, that kind of coming up with the, the, the characters and the, um, and the, and being able to kind of personify that, um, whether that's with, through funny voices. And we've done, we've done episodes on how to kind of deal with, with voices before. But a lot of it is about that kind of I'm able to act, take on the NPCs, create a, a complicated NPC motivation and be able to act my way through it. Something that, that honestly is very complicated skill, takes a lot of practice yeah. to do. Improvisation drama is not something that you can just kind of pick up. Um, and so I, I feel that that's a big one for most people that's starting the hobby, kind of getting daunted by not feeling that they've got that acting ability to be able to pull out acting and voices. And as we've discussed in previous episodes, you know, the acting and the voices aren't necessary to run a game. You know, it's a great to have, but you can certainly get away with doing it in other ways. So in, in my mind, that acting and voices often has the, uh, the highest level of unrealistic expectation about what a new storyteller can achieve. Can I just jump in real quick? Cause you brought up an interesting point. And one thing when I, um, because I did voice acting when I was a kid, and I, I've done uh, voice acting stuff since then before I had problems with my throat. But, like, one of the things they teach you is that doing voices does not, like, voice acting is not just voices, right? It's acting. Like, so I think people also conflate th those two a lot. And I even did at the beginning of this, I was like, put them in the same line, but they really are separate because somebody can do voices and somebody can act, and those are not necessarily the same, or somebody can do both. So I think even, even if you have a game master who does crazy voices, like, they might not be able to do, like, improv, like you said, James, or vice versa. So I think that's another thing. Thing to kind of separate those for sure and and i think that one of the things I'll, I'll throw in there is those are those mechanics and the pieces there's also the the way people build and run the way you actually run the adventures one of the things that and you know people can hate me for it but one of the reasons i can't watch critical role is the, they, they he takes away a lot of the player agency the times i've watched it it's it's like it's a production. We're trying to do something, and we got to get to a place. And um, one time I watched, they were on a road, and there was a swamp or something. And he said, so you guys go to the swamp. And when you're in the swamp, you see this thing, and you go to this thing. And then suddenly now there's a battle, and here comes the set piece. And I go, what? what? at no point did these guys ever say they were actually going to the swamp. They, <laughs> why would they have gone to the swamp? I didn't understand. It made no sense to me. I obviously yeah. did, I missed an episode somewhere that explain this to me. But I, I think that's another thing where players coming in may expect the game master to have like the, the coolest story that ever was and just laid out in front of them and they fail to realize it's a collaborative, their part of the quote unquote acting and things is bringing substance to the, to the narrative, right? They're, they're helping build a story. They're not watching a production from the game master that He's putting on. He's not putting on a play for you, and you have to be actively engaged as a player, and and you can't sit back and wait for this to be told to you. That's one of the things I think I also I've also seen in some new players. They sit back waiting for things to happen, not realizing that they are part of what's going on. Um, so what other so what other areas? Um, I mean, there's there's kind of rules, expectations around yeah, that. I what do you what do you think about that? Those are two, there's a couple traps that um, I thought of too that I think often do come up, but they're not really as overt. And one of those is like, and this goes both ways, but like house rules or specific setting rules. Um, like if, if often there's, there's players that have played a certain way and it might be like the kind of normal, like say in Pathfinder 2E, it's very common um, nowadays uh, to use the, um, uh, uh, spacing out a little bit for a second, the, uh, 
the uh, Jesus addition. Oh, sorry, free uh, free archetype. Good, I got to it. The free archetype. An archetype is kind of like their way of multi-classing. It's it's also the way of like getting extra stuff. And the setting rule is you you basically get it for free every other level. Um, uh, where normally you'd have to kind of decide between that or your main class stuff. And a lot of players get used to that, but then not, not every game master is going to like play that way, right? And I think that happens a lot. Um, it happens the other way too. And the second thing that I thought of is when you're playing established settings, um, you can't oh, always yep. expect the game master to know all of the lore stuff and all the deep cuts <laughs> and all of the, you know, from the Sword Coast, like this, Where's that, and that. Like you bing, just bing, can't bing, expect bing, that. Bing, and, bing. Then, yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, what we've talked about a lot, and we talked about this in another, um, I was about to say video, in another episode, where like game masters like will often take their settings, but it's their version of the setting, right? So they're going to like change stuff and just don't like players shouldn't expect that what they know, what they've read about in whatever X novel or this old book of, you know, the edition two or whatever, that's the lore that's happening, right? You should never expect that. Um, so that, that's another big one that I've seen come up. Um, over yeah, over I think again. I don't. And I think you don't want to underestimate that one. Um, Cause I think we <laughs> yeah. came from the angle of like newer <laughs> players having, uh, having expectations uh, of game masters. Here's one where it's an established player who understands like all there is to know about a setting and they expect that game master to know everything. So it's kind of yeah. from the other side of things is having those unrealistic expectations. That that's my personal one because like if I do a specific setting as a game master, I'm always like it's my version. I'm not going to I'm not going to read everything. I have to twist up to do my so yeah, that's like coming from me, my own hurt. So yeah. I don't have good enough memory to memorize all everything all the lore in a setting. <laughs> it's going to be different. I can't memorize it all. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so lots of problems. We don't want to dwell on the problems. Let's start talking about how do we make, you know, how do we make the table oh, yours? Sorry, sorry, players? Carl. I've got. I've just realised. I've, I've got one more too. I, sorry to jump in this before. Oh, I'll jump give you another in. problem. Jump on <laughs> in. Um, one one last one I think is the uh, unrealistic expectations around combat in particular and encounter oh, okay. building in particular, um, and. Different different tables, I guess, and different storytellers have different approaches to the way they, they build encounters and the way they build combats. Um, one of, I guess, when you look at the evolution of tabletop role-playing games, they come from kind of uh, tactical board games in kind of in its, uh, in its first genesis. And games can have a, a level of tactics to them where you have lots of set pieces, you have maps, you have miniatures. It, it can be quite a tactical game. Or we could have the opposite of that, which is a very strong theory of the mind, kind of descriptive, cinematic way of running encounters and running and running uh, ways of, of doing fights and doing, doing combats. Getting that expectation right can often be very, very tricky. I've, I've, I've run games where they've had the, the critical role kind of experience or, the, or, the, or they're looking for that experience, which in some ways has uh, it's less gritty it's less exacting. It's less kind of, you know, measuring out exactly as old old school OSR kind of tactical Dungeons and Dragons. So getting that expectation right, I, I often find can be sometimes tricky with, with groups that come in with expectations kind of a little bit skew with, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's a great one. That's a great one. Um, I mean, it, just how combat executes can be a huge difference in philosophy 
between, yes. um, you know, what you're coming in and expecting. Uh, and I think we run into that in our game a little bit, Eric. I, I, we've got players who kind of think combat will work in a certain way, um, you know, and you kind of have to point them in the right direction and, and help them weave through. And they just assume, well, I just do a thing. And it's like, well, combat doesn't quite work that way. Let's explain how it works and stuff like that. And yeah. Um, so that's definitely um, the expectation gap that might be between how the how the rules and mechanics work, how you're describing things, how the tactics work. That's that's a great point. That's a great point. Um, I, I, and I think just I, something just to say at the very top for all of this is like ultimately we all have our likes and dislikes. We all have our styles, but oh, we sure. also have all have our strengths and weaknesses. And there's no perfect game master, right? And like. That's what I think most of this really gets down to is that like some of us are just better at certain things than other ones. And we, you know, we want to learn more about the other kind of types and we just have our styles. So I, just all the game masters out there, like never feel bad that like I don't do voices or, act, you know, whatever. Like I think that's just an important thing to always keep in mind for this. Yeah. And, and that's that's that might sum up the, the most important part for sure right there. And that nicely leads right into kind of making. How do we get past this? You started with the great one. Realize that we're all different and we all have yeah. our strengths and weaknesses. And that's 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 phenomenal. A good one. Um, so, James, what do you what are your thoughts? Yeah. What are some of the things that um, we should we should think about? There's there's the obvious ones, right? Um, yeah, I mean, I completely agree. Everyone's got their own strengths. Everyone's got their own weaknesses. And one thing I've found is that. Groups will form their own little shorthand, their own little, you know, kind of comedy, their own way of doing things, their own preferences. So the, the big thing for me is is don't don't feel like that that uh, it's insurmountable in some ways. If you wanna if you wanna start running these games, it's kind of like, oh, but I I'm not I don't know about my acting, I don't know about the rules. You know, these things you kind of work through as a table over time. So, you know, some of the best groups that I've ever played for, I, I learned as I went, you know, as fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons came out, it's like new rule set, we're gonna work, we're gonna learn this together. Um, and you kind of you kind of work it together. So you know, really this is about making the table yours and making it comfortable for everyone and enjoyable for everyone. And the first one, the first bit is it's a journey. It's kind of, it's something that's going to take time and something that you, you work on with you and the players to kind of make that, that table fun in the way that you want to make it fun. If that makes sense. That makes it, that makes a lot of sense. Um, for sure, for sure. And I think, uh, kind of tying into this is having, Understanding where you are in that journey, and and again, like Eric said, your strengths and weaknesses, and having a conversation. Now we've talked in many many episodes. I think we've used the term adult conversation. Have that adult conversation, but that's that's the most important thing is is really talk about those expectations and talk about what what you can do and what you can't do and what you are going to do. Um, you know, even. You know, we are going to do things more theater to mind. We are going to do things more tactically. No, I'm not. We're going to draw them out on maps or on a piece, piece of paper, and that's just the way it's going to be. Whatever, whatever makes sense for your conversations, that's the place to start. Is just talk it through. Um, you know what what your expectations are, and then you'll hear what the player expectations are or the game master expectations, and you can do something about it. Then, if you don't talk about it and you just start. Then lots of times you'll you will run into these problems where people have uh, I call it an impedance mismatch between what you're presenting and and what they're getting from the game, um, for sure. Yes. 
Sir Eric, I thought Absolutely. you looked like you had a couple of thoughts that came to mind there. I mean, this is the thing we talk about the most, right? Is session zero or the application, like the, well, not the application, but the, um, the advertisement for your game, right? If, if it's not people that you know, um, if it's not an established group, like that's so important to be upfront about the type of game it is and like what they should expect, just like you guys said. And I think just being so upfront about your game master style, being upfront if you're using setting rules. And then also, I think there's, you know, uh, be flexible, like, like, I think it's really important to check in with players, especially if you're doing like s specific things or trying out new things in combat or trying out new setting rules, right? Um, and a big thing for me also is uh, what I call, you know, perfect is the enemy of good, which I sh have struggled with a lot. Um, and I get overwhelmed, right? It's trying to do all that different stuff, like trying to make the most intense maps ever and having the most interesting combat and trying to have all the different personalities and do all the different voices and you know, get really deep into the lore and then you can really just like overwhelm yourself. And, uh, yeah. So I think it's good to focus on your strengths saying, and then. And no yeah. saying we're making a, we're making a wristwatch, not an atomic clock. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, and, and, and I wanted to kind of pile on a little bit to that and, and in what you're talking about, um, um, the style, to, mm. Think about what your style is. Eric, you, you were just talking about how you're being very self-reflective on my style is I want to do these things and I'm going to push myself to try to do it. My style, I'll be the first to say, is I'm not a huge do a bunch of voices. I changed the way the person talks to represent different speech and speech patterns, but I don't do accents very well. Um, never have, never can do it. So um, I do the best I can. But that's part of who I am, and, and I, you can reflect on what is your style. Are you really are kind of a theater of mind person? Are you it's like, holy smokes, you know, I thought I was a theater of mind person, but I'm always pulling out maps, and I like the yeah. maps. Maybe I should lean more heavily into that and do more on that because that is something I really do do a lot of or something. Yeah. Sit, you know, check in with yourself and say, what is it that makes me, and I'm and coming from the Game Master perspective, from a player's perspective, the same thing. Are you a player who loves to do certain things in a certain way and loves big complicated backstories? And, you know, how, how does that tie into the groups that you've been playing with? Just think about it a little bit and just reflect on yourself um, before you get in, in deep um, with expectations of yourself. Know what you can and can't do well. And, of course, you want to grow, but understand what you can and cannot do well to start with. Yeah, and that goes and really that, well for that. Chat. Go on. And that chat with players is, is critical. You might find that the silly voice acting doesn't matter to your players. It's not something that's on their priority list and therefore something you just literally don't have to worry about. I've, I, I kind of check in with my players doing the stars and, and um, you know, kind of what people have enjoyed. And you can alter kind of your play style based on, on, your, on the players. And it does mean that you need to do less work in some areas and more work in others just to kind of make it. I mean, I have had, I've had, groups um, um, that have said, you know, we don't need all this law. We just don't need it. And so you can kind of take that off the, off the agenda and, and kind of run with different things for each different group um, once that expectation is set for, the, for the everyone around the table. And, uh, yeah, something that we've talked about before too is like, um, you know, not – what's the right word for this? Uh, use your players, right, like to fill in those gaps. So – and the games you were saying how you were saying how like you know you have your strengths but you learn as you go right and that's totally true and that's like the perfect way to do it and when you want to start getting into different things or you know you have a weakness then like 
actual players. Like, I am not good. Like, personally, me as Eric, like, I, you know, have a big problem with my ADHD um, that is now being treated, but <laughs> but I have a problem with taking notes. Like, I'm better at it. I've learned a lot, but I don't like taking notes. So when I game master, I will often, if I find a player and, like, I'll reward them in some way, but, like, can you be the note taker, right? Like, it, it would help me if you take notes um, just for me, right? Because that's a weakness of mine, and I'm not going to... If, if, if it's all on me, I'm not going to be the best at, like, taking all those notes and recalling all the things all the time, right? So, yeah, I will ask a player to do that. Or you can ask a player to handle, like, finding, you know, maybe different combat maps or, uh, you know, there's just a lot of things that you can do with that. So I think that's a good resource and you should use that. And, again, when you're being honest with people, they appreciate it. And that will kind of – when people don't talk about things, right, and this just goes with every single relationship and ultimately yeah. between the game master and players. Between players, it's a form of relationship. You know, communication is key, and uh, you might have players that are getting frustrated and getting, you know, more more than they need to be, right? Because their expectations are not being met, and maybe you think you're doing something in a certain way that's um, not the rubbing people off in the wrong way, or whatever, vice versa. So I think if you're upfront about that stuff and asking for help and being honest, then they'll also open up the same way, and then those kind of frustrations will go down, you know? Because, like, even well done games you know even games where you have your friends little frustrations can come up right that's just normal right we all get frustrated with our friends or our family at different times yes, so yes, i really yes. again communication is just so key here um and yeah okay all right absolutely and and if you're talking about players stepping up doing roles doing things you know they're often i've found in games that you know role-playing-wise, acting, that kind of stuff. Players are often far more into it than I am. And you are able to kind of let them go without you having to kind of join in, you know. There's nothing wrong with uh, players role-playing amongst themselves and the GM just gets to sit and watch. There's nothing, you know, and just gets to take in and bask in that awesomeness because it is awesome when it happens. So yeah. often it's not it's not just the GM's responsibilities about the players and and giving them room to to explore what they want to explore and have fun with what they want to have fun and realize their own expectations while you kind of assist them to do that. And and that's some oh, cool. of my favorite favorite stuff. I mean, with the current game when the guy they get role playing with each other, I'm like laughing <laughs> so hard that I end up coughing and it's like I wasn't even part of it. It was just them doing it, and and I think that added more richness to their own to their own thing, even though they weren't like, you know, going to the next room of the dungeon, they were chatting about something. I, I, it's just so much fun. It's so much fun. So definitely something to encourage for sure. Um, yeah. It's almost like setting an expectation. No, just encourage. It's not an expectation. It's <laughs> just an encouragement. <laughs> yeah. So sometimes it is like about the game master. It is giving up some of that con proceeds control, you know, to allow play players to do those things. Another cool thing I've seen, like on James, what you were just talking about, if you have a player who is really good at, doing voices or acting or whatever. And, you know, sometimes you can have them play NPCs, like, when it's appropriate. Like, if there's a scene with somebody else somewhere, like, have them play an NPC or talk ahead of time. Hey, would you mind playing this NPC? Like, this is kind of what you need to be talking about, basically. But let them go crazy with it, you know, as long as they kind of know the basis of the scene you're trying to get to. But that's another... I've seen that happen, and it's really fun. So, again, filling in those holes, right? Uh, using the resources that you have. A great example is I, I play in a game once a once a month and um, uh, our, our dungeon master is outstanding, great theatre of the mind, fantastic character actor, really wonderful um, descriptions. But 
he he runs a game for players who are all into miniatures, all into terrain, all into maps, all <laughs> into combats, all into that kind of stuff. And so, so what do we do? We build him the stuff. We just say, look, nice. we're into that. You're not into that. Here's all the terrain. Here's all the here's all the minis. Here's everything else that you might need. You pick and run it because. He knows that we love that stuff, but he just doesn't have the time or inclination to do it. So, you know, players can step in and fill a whole heap of different roles here to kind of to meet their expectation with their own actions. All right. Taking notes about players helping me find maps. <laughs> I hate finding maps. All right. Excellent. Excellent. And I took a note on that. So I'm, I'm not bad at taking notes. So <laughs> No, you are good at taking notes. That's for sure. You'd be, you'd be surprised at how little notes I actually... It's like bullet points. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I have really tried to take notes in, in my latest campaign playing. I just damn terrible at it. I, I just get yeah. too caught up into the excitement of it all and just forget to write anything down. Well, I, I tried to start using Sly Flourish's um, prep situation, which includes kind of taking notes after and having yep. secrets and stuff like that. And I find I use it half the time, and then the other half it's like, the ideas just end up being bulleted lists like they always were in the past. So, <laughs> so, so I have it. I don't have the greatest expectations for me in that situation. I really, really wanted to to double down on taking advantage of of that and and really using it. So, um, by the way, he has a great podcast where he does do goes through some of his prep for some of his games. So, if you want to learn his style with uh, secrets and clues and stuff like that, he. Uh, he has a podcast that you or a podcast and a YouTube channel you can check that out on. So, all right, um, what next? Anything else? The kind of in GM focus. Should we t- flip it around and talk a little bit about the player side of things? What do you guys think? Absolutely. I mean, players have their expectations about things that they that they're going into, and and I, I cannot recommend more. Um, communicating those expectations straight away. You know, you're joining a game. If you're having that initial discussion with the Dungeon Master or the Dungeon Master has said, hey, I'm, I'm running a new campaign, you know, highlighting and, and articulating your expectations or at least your hopes or maybe expectations isn't right, maybe aspirations is what, what they're, you know, the things that you're hoping to be able to get out of the game um, that you would love to see acting. I've, I've had a couple of... Uh, um, my players come to me very specifically and say, you know, we really enjoy watching Dimension 20. We really enjoy watching Critical Role. Yeah. Um, you know, we would love to have that kind of experience. How how close can you get to it kind of thing? And so, you know, having that kind of realistic chat about whether you're able to make that expectation or not. And and I'm very happy to come back and say, look, you know, I'm, I can do my best. I'm not as good a voice actor, so you'll have to forgive me if all my halflings sound German. But apart from that, you know, that setting that expectation right for the players. But coming in, kind of being articulate about what you're hoping for is great. Now, having said that, um, most games you form with friends and most games you form with, with you know, it could be a, a games master that hasn't got much experience. So in some ways, having said you should articulate what your aspirations are, at the same time, you really need to have a little bit of flexibility and open mind about what the, what the storyteller can actually produce for you and understanding that not everyone is good at everything. Yeah, and I think that, I think that goes to coming in um, with your eyes open to um, accepting other possibilities, right? Uh, you can come in and say, here's what I'm looking for, and the Game Master says, here's what I can do, and you guys come to a meeting of the minds. You've come in kind of open-minded to 
being willing to because it, it's role playing games are supposed to be fun. So there's lots of different ways to have fun. So we just need to be open yeah. to the, all the different styles, each way people do things. And as a player, peop, you know, you can't change somebody overnight. They're going to try to be more maybe what you're looking for, but it's not going to happen day one. They're learning or sometimes they're set in their ways and, you know, old dogs, new tricks kind of thing. And so you have to have to meet them halfway to to have a game that you both enjoy and the game master doesn't feel stressed out. You don't feel stressed out. Everybody's there to have a good time. It's that's the whole point of the of the or the whole point is to have a good time and and not to you know backstories and dice rolls and everything is just about to have fun. Um, yeah, and, and I think if we're really flipping this to the player side, like, and I think these are one of the things that like people talk about the immersive effect, right? But there is also the critical role effect. There's also the Dimension 20 yeah. effect, which is what are game masters' unreal expectations on players often, right? Because there's people who watch Critical Role and are like, I want to be Matt Mercer. And that could be an unrealistic expectation right there. Like they're just thinking they're going to have all the stuff already, right? And try to do everything at once. And they also think that all the players are going to be like that too. And I think that is an important part of this is that, you know, not players coming in, they're not going to maybe be all... Uh, outgoing and charismatic and know how to improv or know how to do their own voices. They're not going to maybe do huge backstories, right? And have interesting stuff in their backstories or make interesting characters. They're not necessarily going to know all of the rules, right? And that's the unrealistic part. I think the realistic part there is they should know the basics of the rules or be able yes, to learn, please. but they're not going to know all of the <laughs> rules, right? Um, and they're also maybe not going to be super tactical with combat. Like you think that if you, that's your kind, that's your thing, right? You're a tactical game master. They might not do as well because of that. Um, and also a big one here is they're not always going to buy into everything the game master's cooking, right? I mean, uh, putting out there. I mean, that's a huge one. You're going to put out hooks as a game master, and players are not always going to go for it, or players are not always going to care about the same things that you care about. So I really think this is a truly you know, both both sides of the street. Absolutely. Because game Absolutely. masters can get really upset because I did this game in my certain way and the players are just not going for it or they're not doing what I want them to do. And then they get, then they're like, okay, I don't like this thing. I don't like game mastering or I don't like doing this game and they cancel it. So I think it is really important as a game master to also think about, you know, what are your unrealistic expectations of players? Because there are some, right? And there's realistic ones, which I think we'll talk about. But um, yeah, that, that's really important for sure. Yeah, I, I, th I think that, that that definitely hits a hits a good in the head. Game masters themselves have expectations that are always. Uh, for some game masters, are like very heavy duty. They're 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 expecting players to be experts in everything, and you know, um, always taking the hook, uh, going down the right path, making the right call. Yeah, you know, being smart about everything. <laughs> You know, the combat is like so hard, but, you know, if you would have understood to set up a trap and lure them into it, all things would have been fine, but you guys were too dumb to yeah. do that. So therefore, <laughs> you're, the you're, one you're, thing, yeah. if you, if you, if you had found this like one button or something and press that, then you would have been able to get in. But because, yeah, for sure. yeah, yeah. Then, then, <laughs> you know, so definitely, um, definitely true there. So <laughs> James, were you going to throw in something there? <laughs> Oh no, I just couldn't couldn't agree more. And and my I have one expectation, and and it's, it's I don't think it's too much, 
It's like, can you just remember the backstory you actually wrote? That would be nice. Oh, so that's yeah. my that, that's my own, own that is the uh, realistic expectation line. of players. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it, we'll get more into those for sure. I, I, what I was trying to say is the more extreme. Yeah, example, it happened to me yeah. two weeks ago. Was it? And in really? the dark, you recognize your you know your mentor, and it's like who <laughs> who? I don't even know who you're talking about. I'm you like, wrote oh it. My God, I've, yeah. I've only done that with names where I've said, and you see Vincent Saragon, and they go, who's that? That, yes. that, that's the dude you said that was tracking has been tracking you down since you were a child looking for you after they destroy your village oh yeah you swore guy. a blood oath yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you guy. tattooed his face on your arm so you wouldn't forget <laughs> so that in the, in the backstory uh, yeah <laughs> um, and so yeah some of the things I think players can alleviate part of this is you know of course number one open mind right like players like just understand nobody's perfect and uh, uh, every game master is going to do things their own different way and, uh, you know, communicating. And um, I mean, another one, big one for me here is is easy to parse backstories. I think uh, yeah. we've talked about this a lot. And when it goes to the uh, unrealistic expectation of knowing all your hooks and knowing all your backstory, like we were just talking about, if you do a super convoluted, complicated four page thing with, you know, bad punctuation, your game master is just not going to be able to know most of that stuff and you shouldn't expect them to. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Would you guys have any other tips for players to kind of make it easier on game masters for those filling those, fulfilling those expectations? Well, you come in, I think it should be, it's a reasonable expectation that you come in prepared, um, be prepared yeah. with, you know, um, understand what you want, understand where you're going, understand, you know, when there's time to up, you know, level up, you've leveled up, you understand, like you said, your backstory, you understand your backstory so that when it's being used, you understand that, you know, the basics of the rules. No one's expecting anybody to be an expert. At least I am not as a game master, but I do expect, you know, I can't do everything, right? It can't be all on your shoulders. So you, you do have to, you know, come in at least, I'll say competent um, enough to play the game, I suppose. So that's my, that's my one wish for sure. I often don't have the luxury of competent players, but, um, <laughs> but so, but yeah, my, for me, it's offering to help in a lot of ways or offering to kind of, to do stuff. I, I've, I've had a couple of players that have been outstanding in their understanding of game rules and I've kind of let them be that guy, you know, it's kind of sure. like, sure, yep. if you want to, you know, kind of, you want to be the rules keeper, then that's cool. You, by all means. And their expectation of, of how by the book we're going to run it is set at very high. And if I'm not across all of them, then sure, they can be that guy that can. can Eric's kind of, my man. You know. Eric's my man when it comes to that. <laughs> <laughs> if it wasn't for Eric, I think some players would never get their character leveled up. So yeah, Eric's my man on that. So. <laughs> so, so we talked a lot about unrealistic. We've talked about how we can kind of get some of those things understood, but let's, well, now let's talk about, we, we dived into a little bit, but what are realistic expectations? What, what do we expect and what is reasonable to expect um, from both the players and the players of Game Masters? And I'm gonna, you know, toss this one to Eric first. Um, yeah, and I'm going to some more specific ones. Um, I think some of the people talk about the, the more general ones, but, um, uh, one big thing I think you should expect is that if if you are a game master who is playing with setting rules or trying out you know weird things, again check in check in with your PCs. That should be just normal. Like, hey, are you guys liking? Is is this working? Um, I think that's reasonable for players to expect that of being like, 
okay, I'm, I'm, you know, even though I'm the game master, I'm running this game, but if I'm twisting the rules that much, because players are generally coming into a game expecting, okay, I know the game, I've read the rules, I, this is how it's supposed to be made, that, you know, people designed it this way. And if you're creating a ton of house rules, then you, you shouldn't just expect them just, just like, love it or just go with it the whole time. So I think checking in and seeing if it's working is a big one. Another one for me, and this seems obvious, and, you know, of course, some games might be this way, but I think... I've seen some game masters be super antagonistic, like wanting to basically get, you know, they can, they can like, you know, having combat and maybe, you know, a player kill, but that's, that's their, right. That's your, their purview, but kind of like seeking that and trying to do that. I think the worst it's bad. And I think players coming in, you know, that's a reasonable expectation that the game master is just not going to be so antagonistic against them. I mean, it's not, it's like, you know, some games are different, right? Where it's like a grim, dark world or whatever that the game doesn't show. But generally, it's like the players are kind of the stars of the show, right? Um, even if it's a dark world, the players are going to be the stars. They're the heroes. And while they're not always the most powerful people around, there is game masters that I think, um, or there's this thing where, you know, they like kind of making the players feel small, make it, you know, having all their stuff be the strongest all the time and or like, you know, actively seeking out to kill them. Because ultimately, if, if a game master wants to kill you, you know, they can reshape reality, right? So they, they're yes, going to kill right. you. So I think those are two things that I think it's realistic to not expect. <laughs> yeah, if, you, if, you, if you want to play that, that kind of against game, you or, it, yeah. I've got a thing on my shelf called Paranoia. That's Then you can play that <laughs> play that game with your yeah, players that's right. if that's what you're looking for. So, yeah. yeah. Um, I think the, the main realistic expectation is, and I, this is where I sit my bar for every game. Yeah. Did everyone have fun? You know, at the end of the day, whether you got the rules right, whether you had the most engrossing tactical combat, whether you got the voices right, it really comes down to as a hobby whether the people around your table had a good time or not. And and if you can set the expectation of that's what I'm aiming for, I just want everyone to have a good time. And as a player, if you're coming in, aiming for everyone having a good time as a games master everyone having a good time if that's where you can set your your expectation then i don't it's very difficult to be kind of uh disappointed in a lot of ways because if everyone's jointly trying to just have a really great experience and that then that's that's fine um and for me i think a realistic expectation is for the flaws to be there for people not to get it right all the time for the games master to make mistakes the games master not to not get it 100 percent but to enjoy what you do as you as you go. I, I, I've been doing this for a very, very, very long time, and every single session I will say, oops, sorry, I, I missed something here. Just give me a moment. Oh, no, that, that isn't exactly... Oh, actually, I'm, give me a second. I've not quite got this voice right, and then I'll, I'll muck around with it. But people will laugh at my attempt, um, and everyone's having a good time. So it's about having fun and just not getting it right and understanding that people aren't going to get it right the whole time. And I, I think that's another good thing about it's a home game versus a production. So breaking immersion, breaking character, to talk about things and to, you know, I, 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 I've, some, I've listened to a few podcasts here and there where um, breaking immersion is like a cardinal sin or breaking character is a cardinal sin. You should never do it. And it's, and it's, it's I think that's an unreasonable expectation. Sometimes you just got to stop and say, I screwed this up. I got to look something up. I, we got to take a, you know, 10 second because I got the voice wrong. Like James, like you said, it's okay. It's, you're not, you're not going to be in character all the time. And, and I guess the other realistic expectation in some ways, and we haven't talked about this also, in these produced games that you watch, 
the pace is really fast. You know, the kind yeah. of, you know, you don't have the twenty-minute discussion about a rule, but you will often have in a in a role-playing game. You don't have the ten minutes of the of the the games master scratching his head, going, "Ah, oh, hang on a minute, I've just got to look this up because I'm not quite sure we're ahead." So having that expectation that everything runs at that speed is also not overly realistic. So being realistic that you'll have these interruptions, that, that the game will be generally slower than what you see on a fast-produced, well-managed with, with literally producers, then you know that, that's fair for a realistic one as Recently well. Recently I had a scene where the players spent a lot of time trying to tell me they're not going to eat the food, which was just food. And <laughs> it was, we just kept talking about the so food. So classic. It was so funny. Um, but... That was what made it fun was it wasn't like produced. It wasn't part of the story in that regard. You know, it wasn't a huge plot point. It was just fun to have a discussion about whether the food on the table is edible or not. So it was, it was fun. So another strange one, I think, is I mean, ultimately, I think it comes down to like respect or mutual respect, but especially for players versus game masters, like. I think it's reasonable to expect that, like, players, you know, while the Game Master has agency over most of the world, um, like you said at the front, Carl, like, players should have agency over their characters. And that's not just in decisions. There's a couple of things, and we've talked about this in other games, I think, I think uh, episodes, James, you've brought it up before about, like, in Call of Cthulhu, like, there's, like, sacred spaces, right? And, like, yeah. part of a player is, is, is sacred. And I've seen, this kind of goes almost to the antagonistic part, but, like, I've seen game masters who are just like, I can do basically whatever I want with your character or say things about your character's backstory or change things about your character. And it's like, well, that's not cool. Like, yeah, you're, you're running the game. That's cool. But I've also like, I'm coming to this too and I'm bringing my character and that's what I've created. And I think, you know, I think you should expect that like you have rights, like players have rights, <laughs> not all the rights. Game masters do have most of the rights, but players have rights in that way of like over their characters. Right. And I, sometimes that gets kind of lost, I think a little bit where, um, yeah, I, I don't know if that makes sense, but uh, Actually, and, and that goes th that goes the opposite uh, way too, right? Like you have to respect game masters, like they 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 put all the time in, they, they did all the things, and even if you don't agree with what they they did something or the decision, like you got to respect what they're they're doing with the world or they're changing or you know whatever. So it, it does go both. Again, it seems obvious, but I think sometimes that gets a little we, we get ahead of ourselves with that. I think it's a realistic expectation for players to have control over their own characters. I think that's realistic. <laughs> it doesn't always happen, real. though. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's, it, and people fall into that trap, you know, and telling people what their characters are doing, and it's because they're trying to potentially move the story along or make sure this plot point gets hit. So it rolls all the way back up to unrealistic expectations and a great way to avoid them is to keep that player agency going so any other um so any other final thoughts that uh, you guys have i think um for me it's it it's always been fortunate that i i've only had a few players come in and it's mostly been at conventions who have come in and had like crazy expectations that you know they're going to come into this game and it's going to be just some kind of overproduced thing. And it's like, do you see the table, dude? Do you see a set piece? There's no set piece. <laughs> it's not that game that you're coming into. Um, so, but I've been fortunate that the players that I've played with generally haven't had, they recognize that um, we're all human and that we're not going to get it right. And it's about having fun and, you know, that we're partnering on this scenario, game, whatever. So I've been really fortunate and, and I hope everybody does have that ability to have that um, with their group uh, going forward. I guess one last 
comment from me is, you know, once you've identified where perhaps your weaknesses are, there's a whole backlog of episodes of Mastering the <laughs> RPG that you can improve your game so that you can set your expectation where it, you know, perhaps a little higher than you might once have. There you go. Shameless I'm, plug. I, I, I'm tearing oh, up. James, you're, you're, you're <laughs> tearing up. I'm, I'm loving it. So, <laughs> Eric, you got yeah, anything? A, yeah, I mean, there's I mean, when we're talking about all these, I mean, first thing at the first, I mean, ultimately, it's like, just as a player, and this is something that I've struggled, you know, not been perfect on too, but like every game master is going to be different. Uh, and that's not just in how they play, but again, their strengths and weaknesses. And it's really just important to keep that in mind. And I've definitely had, as a player, maybe unrealistic expectations going into new games or whatever it is, because, okay, I've, I've played with, you know, two excellent game masters that are right in the chat here, and you just can't expect everybody to be Carl and James. So, um, you know, uh, and that's and that can, like, really let you down, right? So I, I think it's really important just to really come into new games with an open mind, and that goes to game masters, too. Like, every player, you have these excellent group of players, like, just don't expect every player to be the same. Um, yeah. All right. With that, I will say uh, thank you, guys, and uh, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. I hope you got something out of it. Remember to drop by MasteringTheRPG.com to learn about us and our projects and what we're working on and to contact us and support us. Please email GameMaster at MasteringTheRPG.com if you have questions, need advice, feedback. We'd love to get something asking us to adjudicate some differences of opinion in your group because we love to give our own opinions. Um, and then, of course, uh, we're on the social medias. If you keep an eye out, you'll see us there, too. Um, if you like the show, hey, please help with a positive review uh, wherever you get your fine um, podcasts, um, wherever that might be. And then once again, I'm here with, uh, hey, sorry, once again, I'm Carl with Eric and James. Say goodbye, guys. Goodbye, guys. Happy gaming. <laughs> <laughs>